Well, good afternoon. Merry Christmas. Church family and friends. We're not in a, we're not in a hurry this afternoon here, so you're finding your seats. People are coming in. Feel free to just stay seated. And we're just going to sing this song. You just, just let this in. We're going to get to singing together in a little bit. We thought you'd come with a crown of gold, a string of pearls, cashmere robes. Thought you'd plant an iron fist and rain like fire on the politics. But without a
Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, church family, friends, extended family. We're going we're gonna to sing some songs together, so would you stand up with us and join in these carols, worshiping our Lord together.
who's come to save us There's a crown resting gently in the manger Will you take it and press the thorns into your precious hand?
King of heaven come. Amen. It is so beautiful to sing and worship together. During this uh, Christmas season, we've been practicing a call and response prayer. And while there's many ways to talk to God uh, in a responsive prayer, we just we draw together to express our whole church family's communal relationship with God. So I'm gonna read the portions marked leader, uh, and then you're invited with the whole church family to read in the parks marked all. All creation waits in eager expectation for the kingdom of God to be revealed. Creation itself will be liberated from death and decay and will share in the freedom and splendor experienced by God's children. So where are we in this story? We are groaning with the earth, waiting for Christ's redemption. We long for you, Lord. In the waiting, the Lord himself will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forget you. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. Where is the one who has been born, the King of the Jews? God, you are here with us. Open our eyes and hearts to your presence among us. Lord, though you are with us, your kingdom is both already and not yet. We are weary, life is heavy, and we're longing for your gentle yoke and light burden. Where then can we find rest? We need you, Lord. We remember that you created us to be limited. We quiet ourselves now to rest in your love. So as we light the Advent candle of love, let us together breathe in and breathe out, knowing that God is with us. We're gonna pause just for a moment in collective silence right now to rest in God's love together. And kids, I know you're in the room. You're invited to be a part of this with us. You're a part of this church family. Let's just rest together in God's love for a moment. Lord, we thank you that you are love. May your love be made complete among us. Amen. Well, let's continue singing and lifting our voices to God together. Now reveal 
Something that keeps wrestling around in my head and my heart today is we are sitting in the beginning of the story where God sends Jesus as a tiny child for us, and it's something to celebrate. And I just think of the magnitude of this story, and I think of us gathered in this room, and I think of all other believers gathered around the world remembering this story. And I just can't shake thinking about the whole big picture. And so would you just quiet your heart really quick? I'm going to read a passage over us and pray as we start um, our gathering this today. I keep wanting to say this morning because I'm used to it being Sunday morning. It's from Philippians 2. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness a baby. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord on heaven and on earth with glory of God the Father. So God, however we are coming to this service today, whether we're coming because our mom asked us to or our granny asked us to, whether we're feeling overjoyed or we're feeling fear, being back in a church, or we're feeling excited to celebrate and ready to shout your name on the rooftops, or we've never felt more alone. Jesus, I know you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You are with us, God. Would you meet every person in this room and remind them of that? You are the only God who wants an intimate relationship with us. You come towards us, Jesus. Thank you, God. Focus our hearts on that. Help us to let go of whatever things we carried into this space with us and be present with you because you are with us and for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, welcome everybody. It is so, so good to sort of see you. It's kind of dark, but it's so good to gather with you. Merry Christmas. Um, kids, I know you got a special twinkly thing when you came in the room, and you're going to get to save that till later in the service, and there'll be something special to do with that. Um, if you are new with us, some of you are probably here visiting with family welcome. If you just Googled a church that was near you and you came today, 
welcome. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad that you all are with us today. And we hope that you know whether you're here for a long time or just this time, you're a part of our church family and we're glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know more about you, pray for you, help you be, take your next step to be a part of our church family if you'd like. You can text this number, again, whether you're just visiting today or you've been here for a while and we'll help you find your next step here at Open Door. Hey, we do something fun around here, and it's kind of next level when we have this many people in the room, um, but we'd love for you to just say hello to someone near you. Maybe you've been with them all day, or maybe you're just seeing someone new beside you, but greet somebody next to you. Say hello. Say Merry Christmas. Is this how tall you need it, Dave? I feel so small. Well, as you all are having a seat, it's okay if you keep talking. I did wanna let you know something. Um, if you are giving today, like if your heart feels burdened to support this church, we want you to know that any giving online or here in person, um, there's giving stations in the back and outside as you go into the gathering place. But all of the giving for today first goes to replenish our benevolence fund. And that's a big word. But really what that means is when a person in our church family or in our community or one of our mission friends is going through a hard season, we as a church can come around them and support them by helping meet whatever need that is with that fund. So it first goes there. And then once that fund is filled, the rest goes towards the general needs of our family. So I'm gonna pray for Dave as he comes up and we can welcome him. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for Dave and we pray that you would use his words, uh, anoint them and help us have ears to hear them and help us slow down. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you, Amanda. Yeah, that is a little high. There we go. Well, everybody, Merry Christmas. Happy spring to you today. Because that's what you do in Minnesota, you make jokes about the weather. Um, it is really great to be here today with you, and I, as we were singing, uh, feel a deep sense as I, I'm just going to share some thoughts before we, you know, we're going to light candles and sing and reflect some more. Um, but I'm, I just have this sense that the words that I want to share about the good news of Jesus uh, are really incomplete uh, today. And I don't know how that hits you. Um, I think in this space, I keep reminding myself that it is not human words that actually bring a message home to the heart, uh, but it is actually God's presence with us. Jesus wasn't born and died and rose again and is somewhere else, that God's presence is here with us through the Holy Spirit as scripture teaches and so I know Amanda prayed. I just want to pray again. I'm also moving kind of fast on the inside and just want to slow down into this with you. So Jesus, will you do and communicate what words can't? The beauty and the significance of your good news. May it become alive in our hearts today. Will you awaken us? Maybe some for the first time. Maybe some have fallen asleep or parts of us have fallen asleep. Parts of me that have fallen asleep, will you wake us up to the beauty and significance of this? 
In Jesus' name, amen. It is such an honor to gather. I'm gonna start this way. There are all sorts of stories that come up this time of year, even outside the biblical story, uh, that you don't hear about any other time of year. And every year, my favorite stories kind of change. I still come back to the ones that I like the most. Uh, But I'm gonna give you my top three. My top three Christmas stories this time of year, outside the biblical story. Um, And I just wanna see if you agree with me. The first one, I'll show you three pictures. Is this picture right here. Uh, Does anybody love this story? I love it, and some of you are like, you're old. Um, but I do, it's, and, and this year, I just gotta tell you, not this past week, but the, the one before, Stephanie and I have date nights, usually on Wednesdays, all the kids go to youth group, and sometimes we go out, we're party animals. Um, but this time, we, we really had a party. Here's what we did. We stayed at home, we watched that movie, and wrapped presents. It was a hot date. This is a real hot date. Uh, my second favorite one, because we saw it at the Guthrie this year, was this one. Uh, and I just Googled that image. But, but, but it was amazing, if you haven't ever seen it live like that. And then I gotta come back to a classic. My third one is this one right here. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? I mean, classic. Um, here's what I find fascinating, though. All of these stories, many of these stories this time of year would not exist without one story. And that's, it is really fascinating to me. And think with me for a moment. There is, I talked about it a few weeks back. There is a gravitational pull towards Jesus that was alive um, back then when Jesus was born and it's still here today. When Jesus was born, you read the story and it's almost like everything is converging on Bethlehem. The sky is being realigned. The stars are being realigned towards Bethlehem. The nations are moving. This huge caravan of people from the east traveled hundreds of miles, potentially up to 1,000 miles, to converge onto Bethlehem to worship, to worship Jesus. And we, we know biblically and historically, evil itself built up like storm clouds around Bethlehem when Jesus was born, when King Herod, who called himself the king of the Jews, was feeling threatened and was hunting Jesus down to kill him. A little infant threatened a world power, hunted Jesus down to kill him and, and killed all sorts of little boys in the process. Evil itself built up around, around Jesus, this gravitational pull. And what's fascinating is in this little town, um, Bethlehem, uh, became one of the most significant cities in redemptive history because of it. And that's undisputed. This, this is common language this time of year, Bethlehem. And if you go there, it's, it doesn't look like much, but history books and the biblical narrative is filled with, with imagination around this tiny village called Bethlehem. Now, here's what's interesting. Fast forward a couple thousand years, and I did the math, I shared this before, a couple thousand years removed, 6,180-ish miles from Bethlehem, you're welcome, that's how far we are, and right here in Minnesota 2023, we're talking about Jesus, and not just us, thousands of people just in this community, billions of people around the world are talking about Jesus. What do we do with Jesus? There's this gravitational pull towards Jesus, and Jesus is a part of the conversation today more than ever before, and much of it's controversial, and, 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 and sometimes Jesus gets distorted, but, but regardless, like, 
it's, it's here and it's present and we got to face into it. What are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do with Jesus? And in light of that, before we light candles and read the whole story, I want to share just one verse and then we'll read the whole Christmas story, reflect on it in a little bit, but I want to share one verse and it is the divine announcement of Jesus from the angelic hosts as scripture teaches in Luke chapter two. And this one verse I want to share to you today is verse 11 and this is what it says. And the angels say, for today in the city of David, there has been born a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now the birth announcement of Jesus started as like sort of a small ripple to some shepherds on the backside of some field in the middle of nowhere. But this birth announcement now is declared today, like we said, by billions of people. And it's fascinating, this, this announcement here, this is what we do tonight. We make the same announcement that was made that night thousands of years ago. And, um, and here, in these words, this simple sentence, we can see that it's actually not enough. And hear me, it is not enough just to believe that Jesus was born. Um, in this sentence, we see that there is more to it than that, that our hearts, like this holiday of Christmas is not just a holiday to celebrate, but it is actually a confrontation of our hearts, and it begs this question, how will you receive Jesus? How? And all of us have to face into that at some level, and our response can be no response. We can ignore Jesus. We can lump Jesus into all the other fantasy stories that this season affords. Um, we can distort Jesus and, and sort of distill Jesus down to a, a mere good person or a teacher or a prophet like some religions have done. We can do all of those things if we want to or, and this is what we're seeking to do today, or we could enter into the biblical story with imagination to discover or to rediscover for some of us who Jesus actually was so we can receive him for who he still is today. And there are three words in this announcement that show us who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And the first word, if we can bring that verse up again, is the word savior. It's the word savior. And if you think about that word savior, this word is a bit confrontational because here's what this word does. When you see the word savior, it says also, this announcement, a savior has come, is also an announcement, you need to be saved. That, that you are in some way helpless without the savior. And it can feel really uncomfortable for somebody to put a label on me that I'm lost or helpless. But in a sense, like we sing these songs and they're so beautiful, but it's actually, if we think about it, as we spend our whole life trying to save ourselves, it's a confrontation that we are lost, empty, and broken without Jesus. It says you actually need saving. And it's a little bit uncomfortable in some ways. And there is this, some of it actually comes very natural for us. There is this darkness in the world around us. I mean, you see it. We have more access to, to a lens to the whole world than ever before in history. There's so much darkness, and we need saving from it. And many of us will go, yeah, we need saving from the violence, the darkness, the injustice in this world. That's true. Death itself is something that we can't dodge. We can't put that in a strategic plan uh, to, to avoid death. Like, we actually need saving from, from death itself. 
And I think on some level, we'd all go, yeah, yes, that looms out there. And we like to put it in the back of our mind or, or not think about it, but it actually is a very scary thing for many people, that idea of death itself. But what might be me most uncomfortable is this, is that we need saving from the darkness inside of us. We as human beings have this magnetic pull, me included, this magnetic pull inside of us away from the way of God. And it, and it pulls us, and we do inherently, this isn't just you, so if this is you, like no judgment, inherently we feel like we have a better way of living and being and doing than God's way. And so what we do is we enter into what scripture says is like living a different way than God, which is sin. And that is, in a sense, our story. Now, there are two ends to this spectrum when it comes to this idea of needing a savior. And there are many of us in between, and sometimes I'm on one extreme or the other, depending on the day. Anybody else, you're human too. Uh, one extreme is this, I don't need a savior, I got life, I got it. I don't need a savior. And maybe that's you here today. I, maybe this makes you really uncomfortable. Um, on the other side is, I'm not, I am not worthy. <laughs> I just know how broken I am. Maybe some of you have had, you're in a season like that where you're just really aware of your, your weakness. Um, I want to make this as clear as I can tonight, so I'm gonna draw you a picture today. I know some of you got excited when you saw the board come up. Um, here is sometimes how we can think when it comes to our faith in Jesus and our needing to be saved. Here's how we can think sometimes. Uh, it's very natural for us. So this is God's space up here. All right, this is God's space, and, and here is sort of the border of God's space. Right here is where we humans are. Congratulations. Um, and I'm going to have a, a, a little fictional um, characters for you today. Um, the first one's name is Sue. Um, I have no idea why, by the way. So if your name's Sue, it's not your promise. Um, John is another one. Uh, and then, who should the last name be? Dave, Dave thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> I, and I heard Bob, too. Uh, I think that was Bob that said Bob. All right, so, so, so if, and you can look at the distance between us and God. You can look at it as, at whatever kind of distance you want. You can look at a moral distance, where this is like moral perfection, um, you can look at it as like God is actually far away, heaven is far from, you can look at it however you want in this case. But let me tell you a story about these three people. The first one's name is Sue. And Sue, everyone knows she's a really good person. Sue is like really close to God. Uh, you just have this sense, if you know Sue, you have the sense that Sue is like, she's right there. You look at her and you're like, I just want, I want Sue to pray for me. Anybody have somebody like that in their life? Like, I want them to pray for me. God hears their prayers. Um, and then you have, you have John. John is, is really interesting because, um, actually, let's, let's go to Dave first. Um, <clears throat> Dave is like a really bad dude. He's like down here and, uh, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Like when you see Dave, you're like, yeah, um, Dave's not close to God, and, and he's not ashamed of it. And then, but John is a different story. John used to be kind of where Dave is at, but 
But John is like growing in his faith and he's like right here. And, and John looks at Sue and is like, man, I don't know if I'll ever be, I don't know if I'll ever be where Sue is, but, but I'm, gro- I'm growing. And sometimes John can feel guilty because he's not where Sue is. Sometimes John can feel guilty when he's in a church setting because he wishes he was closer to God than he actually is. Um, Dave would never go into a church, church setting. And, and here, is, here is kind of how, how we can think about this. That when God gives his grace to people, we can look at it this way. That Sue needs, Sue needs this much grace. I'll just do that. Right there. Right there. Sue just, she's such a good person. She only needs that much grace. And then you have John here, and John needs, you know, a bit, a bit more grace than Sue. Uh, how many of you have somebody in your life that they, they need a lot of grace? Anybody? Even today, I, I think I've needed a lot of grace today. And then you have Dave. It's like, man, God's got to travel really far. Got to travel really far to, to make his way to Dave. And, and here, here are some examples of this thought that are very real examples in our, and, and this is our drift as human beings to think this way. One is this. One is, if you feel out of place here, then maybe you are thinking about faith like this. If you feel out of place in this room, maybe some of you are online, you're like, I'm glad I'm not in the room because in a church building, I feel out of place. Like other people have it more together than you. Other people are closer to God. You know what's actually going on in your life and other people don't have those things going on. Another example of thinking this way is... uh, a couple weeks ago, I spoke at a chapel at Northwestern University, and there was a young man who came up to me with tears afterward. I had just talked about the grace of Jesus, not by works. I just talked about it, and this young man comes up to me in, in tears and says, I'm just not worthy. I'm just not worthy of Jesus. And in my mind, I'm thinking a couple things. Like, first, like, did you hear what we just talked about. And then I'm reminded that this thought process actually takes root in our soul and it takes a lot to pull those roots up. You could hear all day about the crazy love of Jesus and those roots and that thinking still be here. And some of you in your mind right now, you're going, well, isn't that right? <laughs> um, another example of this kind of thinking is some of you, maybe, you view somebody like me up here on a stage reading the Bible as closer to Jesus than you. Maybe you view me as somebody whose prayers Jesus hears more than your prayers. And I just wanna pause for a minute in this story, because this is the story of Christmas, to say that is not actually reality, and that is not actually the story of the Bible. Let me explain. And I, and I get it, because most, most religions function this way, but not Christianity. I, I me, Dave, I am just is broken and lost as anybody in this place without Jesus Christ. And in that, in Romans chapter three, like scripture actually calls it out, says all have sinned and fallen short. And then when you look at it in the book of Ephesians in chapter two, it says this, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can brag. No one can brag. I can't, not only can I not brag about myself, I can't brag about Sue and how awesome Sue is. And so here's what this means. Here's the reality of how much grace we need as human beings. In fact, 
This is the biblical story. Let's just cross this out altogether. And I'm just gonna give one label for all of us. Humans. Raise your hand if you're a human here today. Thank you. If you're not, we'll pray for you later. Um, and here, here is the grace that we need. And this kind of literally paints the picture of of what's actually happening here. And here's why I wanna do this. Like this idea came to my mind of just like, this whole thing is grace. Because there are no, there are no measuring sticks in the kingdom of God for human beings. Oh, this person is closer to God than another person. No, even scripture even says my righteousness is of filthy rags before, before a holy God. And so the story of Christmas is this. The story of Christmas is not man's search for God and pursuit of God. It's God's pursuit and search for you. The story of Christmas, by the way, isn't how awesome Mary is or Joseph or the Magi. It's how awesome Jesus is. And you can put saint in front of somebody's name and it's still the same. We all, we all need a savior. And so this grace that we read about in scripture is not just for some of us, it's for all of us. So whatever pretense is here in this religious setting, can we just get rid of the pretense? I wish there wasn't a stage here and we're sitting in the living room together. This is just us, human beings, gathered around the truth, the crazy grace and love of Jesus Christ. And I, I am so in need of it. And I'm so helpless without it. And thankfully, Jesus has given it. Amen? The second word, the second word is the word Christ. And I'm not gonna talk a lot about this, although I want to. The word Christ, I just wanna make something known here. It is not the last name of Jesus. Uh, and if you didn't know that, it's not. It's actually a title. And the word Christ means anointed one. And in the Bible, there were, that word anointing can be kind of confusing, but there were places and there were people that were, in a sense, anointed, and it was like that anointing meant there was a bridge between heaven and earth. And so when scripture talks about Jesus, and when you think of heaven, when you think of heaven, when you think of heaven, don't think of like up there in the clouds, think of this, the rule and reign of God, that's heaven. Think of Eden, think of peace, think of justice, perfect justice, think of joy, think of healing, think of those things when you think of heaven. And so Jesus is introduced as Christ and it's, it's in that way, it's more than a bridge of heaven, but, to heaven, but Jesus is actually heaven who has come down to earth in human form. A better way to describe it is heaven has begun invading earth and it started 2,000 years ago. You know that song we sang about the angels singing? It's it, the host, uh, it's from the Bible. Um, verse 13, it says, heavenly host appeared. Have you ever wondered what that word host means? That word host, it doesn't mean just a lot of angels. It actually means army. There was, in the Greek, there's this, there's this army of heavenly hosts come to invade earth this is an invasion in a sense, heaven coming to earth to take over the darkness, to bring the light of God. And it is, I know, a slow invasion. You're like, it's been 2,000 years. Come on, Jesus. And can I just say, like, love travels slow. If God wanted to conquer you, then love couldn't exist. If God just 
demanded that you follow God and did live this sort of way. Love can't exist in those types of demands. So you are invited. And over the course of humanity, people have been invited. And today, billions, like I said, are worshiping Jesus as Lord. As Lord. And so we, in turn, are called Christians. You know that comes from the word Christ? We are anointed ones who follow the anointed one. We are followers of Jesus, marked by God's spirit. And, and, and through us, more and more, the, that earth can be filled with the culture of heaven. That's our goal, to live on mission, to fill this earth with the culture of heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit. We get to join Jesus in this heavenly invasion. And that's the word Christ. And there's so much more we could say about that. But I wanna end with the word Lord. It says this, the verse says, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this title has dual meaning. In the Jewish mind, the word Lord was reserved for God alone. But in the Gentile readers in the first century, they would have thought, the word is kyrios, they would have thought of Lord as like master or king, somebody with ultimate authority over a defined area. That would be a Lord in, in those days. And in a sense, um, and in a sense, our culture is perhaps one of the easiest to separate Jesus as Savior from Jesus as Lord. Um, we, we're, we actually accept Jesus as Savior only to continue to live for ourselves, only to continue to have our own pleasures, our own preferences, and live our own lives as Lord of our own lives. Like our culture is one of the cultures where we've kind of done this, and we've gone, you can actually have Jesus as Savior, and you can actually still live however you want, but Scripture does not separate the two. In fact, the earliest Christians, if you look at the book of Acts, when they refer to Jesus they refer to Jesus in that book, the earliest Christians, 92 times as Lord and two times as Savior. So if anything, they tip the pendulum towards Lord. We wanna follow the way of Jesus in our lives. So Christmas confronts us with the reality that Christ is Savior and Lord who reigns with ultimate authority over our lives and in this universe and that it is impossible to use Jesus as Savior and to not bow your knee to him as Lord. Here's what I'd like to, when we think of lordship, it's such a term we don't use now. In fact, the only term that I kind of makes sense in our culture is the term maybe landlord. And maybe you've had a landlord before. I have, I've never been a landlord, but I've had landlords before. One landlord in particular has marked my life forever, <laughs> um, Stephanie and I. This particular landlord, it wouldn't be uncommon for us to be in our house, and then they just pop their head up in the window Hey, um, or I think at one point, Stephanie's right over there, my wife, there was rumbling in the basement and there's an exterior way to our basement and the landlord is in the basement doing laundry and we thought to ourselves, this is really creepy. What if I'm walking around in my boxers? And so this whole situation with this landlord and, and then we would like drive away and it almost is like you could breathe a little bit because you're outside of the realm of this particular landlord who I love and adore and Jesus loves as well. But that being said, this idea of lordship doesn't, we can't fully grasp it in our culture, but lords have boundaries. I think that's what I'm trying to say today. Like if you're a landlord, you have a boundary and this is, the, this is what you are in a sense in charge of. But I wanna bring you back 55 years because today is the anniversary of a moment 
that, that highlighted the boundaries of Jesus' lordship. It was when Apollo 8 launched. This was a 55-year anniversary, actually. When, uh, and today is actually the anniversary of this moment. When Apollo 8 launched and humans reached the moon for the first time, then on Christmas Eve, it was 1968, three astronauts sent a message from the moon in what was at that time the most listened to and watched broadcast in the history of the world. And here, that Christmas Eve, they broadcast this message to the entire world. I wanna show you the actual video and the message that they sent. So let's take a look at this 55-year anniversary of this Christmas Eve message from the moon. Uh, now approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called these seas. God saw that it was good. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And it was Jesus then, back there, breathing life into all of creation. And it was Jesus it is Jesus who is here giving us breath inside of our lungs right now. And it is Jesus, God, come to earth in human form that in heaven invading earth, and here's a, there's, there's two words in that little scripture. It says, for you, for you, speaking of all of humanity, for you, because you are so loved. And if you don't hear anything today, hear this. You are so loved by the God of the universe that God came to us because we couldn't earn our way to God. And there's an old poem, like when, when you look at the greatness of God, the greatness of God, when you look at the universe, and I can't imagine being there on the moon looking down where you actually live on earth, the greatness of God in the universe also speaks of the greatness of God's love for you. And there's this old poem um, written in the 11th century by a Jewish poet, and it's one of my favorites. If you've been around here, you maybe have heard me read it, read it, but it really depicts... Um, the profound nature of God's love. 
And so let me read this today, and then we're going to enter in and reflect a little bit more through song, through candlelight, and, um, and reflecting on this, on this passage of scripture. Like, do you receive Jesus, not just, yes, as your savior, but also as Christ the Lord? Are you willing to imperfectly bow your knee before Jesus and receive Jesus as savior, but also as Lord? And here's the profound love pointed towards us. It says this. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. So church family, um, Let's listen to the Christmas story today. And Anderson family, I wanna invite you up because they're gonna share it and read it to us today. And as they do, may we remember what this is actually about. This beautiful confrontation of our heart, but more than that, invitation to enter into the leadership and the love of Jesus Christ. That this hope isn't just captured in scripture 2,000 years ago, but it's tangible and it's here today. And I just gotta say, like me, Dave Bricky, I stand before you today, not as somebody who's cleaned up. I mean, I cleaned up physically to be here with you today, but I am broken without Jesus. And I am aware of some of it and probably not aware of all of it. And so I, along with all of us, are living testimonies of regular human beings who just desperately need Jesus. And so let's live into this story. Let's widen our imaginations around the profound love of Jesus as we hear, as we sing, and as we see the light of Jesus spread across this room. The birth of Jesus through Luke 2, 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She placed him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the house of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them into her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Church family, let's stand and respond with song as the light grows among us.
Well, friends, thank you for being here. So great to worship together and remember, remember our Savior. Um, I'd like to invite Amanda up. So we're going to blow out our candles, but that doesn't mean the light is gone. In fact, I imagine that light growing in all of us and going out from this room as we share with people we love and people we know the love and the hope that we find in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let's blow it out on three. One, two, three. All right. So after we leave this space, there will be some people up here up front. If you would like to pray with someone, um, there will be some people gathered for that. Otherwise, we're also going to go out and party. We have a photo station right out those doors and to the right. When you go out, we have cookies and cider and coffee if you're brave. Um, so head out. We'd love to say hello and have a very Merry Christmas.